What's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell. Danny Canal, Raja Bell on this Tuesday. A Taco Tuesday, if you will. Yeah. We started that in our house, by the way. Really? We actually, we might have been doing but, it longer than okay, LeBron did. We say, just dude, didn't dude. garner as much attention. We do Taco Mondays. You do? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I, we never, I mean, it wasn't a Taco Tuesday thing, but now it would it be like, would it be... You should move it to Tuesday. Just move it to Tuesday. Yeah. Now, do like you do Italian night? We do Italian Does night. Does your wife too. just cook off the like off the top of her dome, or do you guys have a, like every like it's a night? It's a when school starts. When school starts, we get yeah. a little bit of more routine. Taco Tuesday is one. Yeah. She's super healthy. Yeah. Which is great. You can go follow her on Instagram. She wants to pump <laughs> up her Instagram, which is great. Right. She's got a great nutrition business that she's got going. Um, but she's very nutritious, so she'll try to map out our meals for the week. Oh, good. But we'll do an Italian night. She'll so do some sort of pasta. Sure. Put on some Italian music. Like we'll do theme. Oh, like even with Taco Tuesday, cool. yeah, plus some Mexican music on, our daughters are still young enough where they don't think it's totally corny. Right, our right. oldest is starting to roll their eyes. It keeps things loose. My wife just house. threw out all the cereal in the house. They, yeah. it all had high fructose corn syrup. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah, I know. So now we got to go to like whole. I'm not looking forward to that because I like the Lucky Charms and yeah. I like my raisin bread. Like I like my cereal. Not only do you like your cereals, but get ready to pay some more because they yeah. cost you double at Whole Foods for <laughs> sure. Uh, big show we have lined up. Uh, Willie Taggart, head coach of Florida State, is going to join us yeah. uh, at the bottom of the hour at 10:30. Can't wait to talk to him. Uh, I'm sure Raja wants to ask him about the backpack. Is it going to return? Uh, Barrett Salee is going to help us break down the ACC as we've been taking a different look at different Power Five conferences today as the ACC. Uh, so we'll get to him in a little bit, but. Let's start off. We did have preseason football last night. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, has a tremendous amount of pressure on him this season. Had the massive payday after not really doing a whole lot in the NFL. Mm-hmm. When he went, he was traded from New England to San Francisco. Had a pretty impressive back end of a season. And the 49ers, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan said, this is going to be our guy. Right. They backed up the truck, gave him a nice hefty payday. Trucks. Yeah, two or three full trucks. Yeah, full trucks. Yeah, full truck. uh, and paid him and said, all right, he's going to be our guy. Since then, plays in a few games last year, gets hurt. No problem with that. You know, that's, that's football. That's sure. the way it unfolds. Um, but you really haven't seen him do anything. And last night on a national stage, even though it's the preseason, he is not doing anything to make anybody feel any better about the situation. Injury and then play on the field. And there was a report, too, that he had thrown five consecutive plays interceptions in practice which is really hard to do at some point you're like hey just throw it away but that kind of started some of the negativity and then last night's performance one of six only one completion had a pick that was pretty ugly looks very uncomfortable and the look we're showing right there and if you see jimmy garoppolo and watch him i I like looking at body language you see a little bit of a crisis of confidence now is that coming from coming back from injury or is it because his play is struggling Whatever reason it is, that's my bigger concern is where is Jimmy Garoppolo's head right now? I'm not yeah. worried about his knee. It's where is his head? Yeah, he's uncomfortable. You can tell he's definitely lacking in confidence there as he's coming off the field. Um, look, I think everything you touched on, you know, should be recognized. The fact that there was not a whole lot of data out there on Jimmy G. Sure, uh, Bill Belichick thought he was, you know, going to be the, the face of the New England franchise going forward, and he put stock in it, and obviously they paid for it. Six and two as a starter is a pretty small sample size in the NFL, right? I think all of that should be recognized. But I do think this has more to do with Rust and just not having played football a ton. And I mean, like, because of injury, you've been off since September 23rd. You're roughly a year not being able to play. And prior to that, yeah. it should be, you know, again, recognized that he didn't play a lot of football in the NFL. So this is a guy who needed to play anyway. And then he got shut down and couldn't do anything for a year. So it is going to take some time for him to knock the rust off. I think this is what you're seeing unfold in the preseason. The question becomes, though, and it's it's a it's a valid question. What are you made of? 
Because not everybody can can go through this and come back to form. The, the, the great ones can. The good ones can, right? But the jury was out on you. So if you can't come up, get over this mental hurdle and get back to form, then, you know, you, you weren't warranting that money in the first place. But I tend to think that he's going to be all right. It's just going to take some time to uh, knock the rust off. Uh, so here's the pr- biggest issue I had with the move is exactly what you're talking about. Love John Lynch. He was a teammate of mine. I trust him as a GM. I think he's very smart. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, two offensive minds. So when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo and gave him this deal, I'm like, all right, I trust their football knowledge that they were there. But I really was questioning, have you seen enough to give him, to make him that franchise quarterback and invest that much money in, which right. really carte blanche. Like you're saying, hey, we don't, there's nothing out there we need to see. You're saying you are our guy. I think it's way too early. We've seen way too many quarterbacks. Matt Flynn is, Flynn is a great example. Seahawks give him a pretty big payday. It wasn't anywhere near what Jimmy Garoppolo right. got. He goes to the Seahawks, never sees the field because Russell Wilson beat him out as a third round pick. Um, Rob Johnson, you remember that name? Yeah. Quarterback who, you know, played at USC, had a few games where he looked like a world beater. Uh, the Buffalo Bills backed up the truck, never really excelled as a quarterback. I need to see at least a year, a full body, like a full body of work where not only do you play good, but I want to see how you do after you play well, bad. That's what I was going to say. Like, and you touch on that all the time. Like, I, when you're gauging, you know, paying a guy and making him the face of your franchise, a lot of people always think about, well, what's, what's, you know, what's the ceiling? Like, where, you know, what's the best he can look? And I'm like, what's the worst he can look? Yeah. Like, I want to, I want to know, like, how bad is bad? Right. You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it just we're falling off the end of the mat bad? Or is this like, what are we looking at? And how does he respond when that happens? Can he bounce back? Can he dust that off? Does he have a short memory or is he going to stew in it and cost us four games? Because his confidence doesn't bounce right back. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. There's a lot of guys. I mean, I was one of them. Yeah. I started off like a, you know, like world beaters. We can't. We went uh, seven, two, and one. The first tar- uh, season I took over for the Giants, we're winning. Had a little bit of adversity, but nothing like I would face the following season. And it really imploded on me. Things started coming around, and I wasn't ready for it. I was too young. Right. Um. So it kind of derailed my career. We've seen it happen over and over again. Guys that have success, that's easy. It's what do you do? in response to some adversity. And that's simply what we don't know with Jimmy Garoppolo. So he made $3 million with the Patriots. Right. Then he earned $42 million in the past year and a half from the 49ers. But here's the news I thought was interesting, and this is where Lynch and Shanahan may get some credit, is that so he'll max out $18.5 million in 2019 this season before his contract becomes very to ease, easy easy to move on from in 2020. Okay. So some of these deals, again, we look at four and five years in length. They're not that in actuality. So maybe the 49ers were a little bit smarter than with the on-the-book real money than they were with some of the funny money towards the back end of that deal. So a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, and he'll get that opportunity. Who knows? Maybe after a few weeks of the season, we're not remembering this. Like if Aaron Rodgers has a night like this, we're not even worried. Right. You know, like, hey, it's no big deal. That's, I'm sure, his mindset, what it is right now, but he's got to go out there and show people in the regular season uh, what he has to do. Baker Mayfield. Hmm. One of my favorite quarterbacks when he was coming out of Oklahoma. I said the Browns should draft him number one. They should build around him. I think he can get it done. Has continued to make it tougher and tougher. But he tougher. got it done. He's getting he it did. done. And he did. 27 touchdown yeah. passes. NFL rookie record. Did it on the field. My problem with Baker is off the field, he just needs to grow up. There's an immaturity there um, with his comments and his immature comments that just – show me a lack of awareness of what it takes to be a franchise quarterback. And I get that you're young, but at some point it's got to click. And you say, you know what? Some of these things just don't make any sense in the big picture. When he goes after Hugh Jackson, right? why? Yeah. 
um, when he calls out Duke Johnson. Why? Right. The latest thing, going after Daniel Jones, another quarterback, franchise quarterback who was drafted by the New York Giants, six overall pick. Why? That's right. my question. Why do you keep making things harder on yourself and harder for me to defend you? He did a sit-down with GQ Magazine. Again, we've had a couple of these in the last couple of years um, that have gotten guys in trouble. Jalen Ramsey comes sure. up. Just keep your mouth shut. You don't have to opine on Daniel Jones, which he did. His quote was, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones. Blows my mind. Some people overthink it. That's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. Now, I'm assuming there are some assumptions here that he's talking about Daniel Jones' lack of wins at Duke. Right. Let me just remind Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones didn't have the weapons that were around you at Oklahoma. You weren't able to dominate almost every single one of your opponents because you had better talent around you. Daniel Jones was under 500 at Duke. But that doesn't mean he can't translate. We've seen other quarterbacks to see in the NFL that didn't come from winning programs. I just, and I, I'm, I'm questioning Daniel Jones. I don't know if he's the future, but this is one of your colleagues. Is this really what you want to be known for as a quarterback in the NFL? A young guy with a ton of talent as somebody who's taking shots at other guys across the league? Um, yeah. So clearly Baker has no problem speaking his mind and being authentic, right? Like, and I do praise him, uh, for being authentic and, and people knowing what they're going to get out of him all the time. Like that, that's, that's a, a good quality in my book. Um, I am not going to apologize for Daniel Jones. Like I have my questions about Daniel Jones sure. too. Like there, there, there are things that are still out there. Your point is, is, is well taken though. Like why? What? It's not necessary, right? Like it's an unnecessary thing to do. When pointed in direction and cornered and you have to give a, a, an answer about a situation, um, do it. Right? Say what you need to say, right? Be authentic. But when someone's really not leading you down the path and making you throw somebody under the bus, it's not necessary to do that, especially when you're when when you're Baker Mayfield, right? And you're you are the face of the Cleveland Browns. There are degrees of players that control and be out there doing that. Usually, you don't want it to be your star guy. You don't want it to be the one that brings all the attention to your franchise. Let it be like a fourth string dude down there just talking crap. Everybody thinks he's funny. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same thing I say about Joel Embiid. Like, dude, you're too you're too good for that, bro. Like, you don't need to be you know creating a stir everywhere you go. Your game will create the stir. They'll be talking about you because you throw, you know, 35 touchdowns this year and the Browns are in the playoffs again. Not It doesn't need to be about this. So I, I agree with you. I don't really have a, an, another point. My thing is just unnecessary. Don't do it. Some people in our business have made um, made it a thing to kind of go after Baker and see if he'll get in with him. He's Zach Collin yeah, 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 from yeah, FS1. Sure. I don't want that to be what this is. No, I, I want him to have success because I love the way he plays the game. And it's just, to me, it's an immaturity there. And I would ask, all right, because I think it is very much a younger generation thing to keep it real, right? I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to tell you exactly what's on my mind, right? That's not always the best option at hand. Sometimes it is okay to play nice, to keep some things to yourself, or at least to keep them in a locker room. Well, look, if you're hanging with your boys and you're saying, I can't believe the Giants drafted Daniel Jones, that's fine. But if you're sitting there with a reporter in the room and all of a sudden it's not even a question that's posed that's to the, you. That's what's <laughs> like if a, if a, if someone asked you, "Hey, what was your what was your first reaction when the when the Giants were on the clock and they drafted Daniel Jones?" And you say, "Hey, it blew my mind. Like I didn't, right. I didn't see that one coming. Like that's that's fine, right? But to just be sitting there making a casual observation when you're on record with with you know one of the most famous magazines in the country, like that's that's a lack of awareness. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like that you you have to polish up a little bit. Um, if you're Baker, and again, I support being authentic, being fiery, being feisty. I didn't really love the 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 Hugh uh, Jackson stuff either. But you were a rookie. But I need you know you'd like to see someone continue to grow 
you know, in that role and as a professional. That's what I keep wondering how long I can defend Baker for some of these immature comments, decisions, actions that he's taken because yeah. it's getting old. Like, I, but I, again, maybe we get to the season, he starts balling, and then you forget about all this. Like, let's just get to the play on the field, which is what should matter. But it's 2019. You got to be careful of what image you're portraying right. out there. A couple quick updates on some stories across uh, football. Antonio Brown, I was teasing it, is not a repeat. This is not the same story. This is a new one. AB has filed yet another grievance over his helmet um, after they did not give his shut helmet that he found that was 2014 model yeah nfl said thanks but no thanks he's still trying to find the helmet that he wants and he's asking for a year grace period look you can try to fight the nfl all you want you're not you're not gonna win exactly rocky like adrian you've seen him you can't win like you're not beating ivan drago bro let it ride the good news is i think for raiders fans we have to make sure this happens today but he is going to practice. He will be at practice. Oh, good. So, yeah, let's get to work, and then yeah. you can take all your fight off the field. Let your agent handle that mm-hmm. until week one and see how it goes. The other news was Zeke um, and his agent. We, we reacted to Jerry Jones's joke and yeah. how dumb it was. Now Zeke and his agent apparently are not happy with Jerry. It's kind of stupid. Like, really, don't even acknowledge the story. It's Correct. just not worth it Correct. Um, to make it play out like that, according to Chris Mortensen, who had the report on there. Kind of silly news there, but, you know, we thought we'd get you updated on that. Probably just more of the back and forth. They're just, and I, I honestly don't believe Zeke is that upset about it. I honestly don't believe that. I think that's probably more his agent trying to escalate the negotiation and just right. take it to the next level and give a little back and forth. But again, it is a negotiation. It's been a little contentious. We'll see how it gets. I'm not believing anything until it gets to week one when things get really interesting from that front. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell, hanging out on this Tuesday, doing some college football. Week zero is here in Miami versus Florida. Can't wait to watch that one. Rajas Hurricanes. No doubt. Uh, teeing it up uh, there against the Gators. Uh, let's bring in Barrett, Sarah, uh, Barrett Salee, our guy from right here at CBS Sports HQ, to help us break down the ACC. Barrett, let's start off with the cream of the crop, Clemson. I mean, really, I mean, it would be a waste of time to say, do you think they win the ACC? Because everybody <laughs> thinks they will. But is this, and this might even be a silly question too, This is this the best team that Dabo Sweeney has put together in his time at Clemson? Well, Danny, I don't think it's a silly question because those championship rings last year said the best ever, and last year's squad was pretty good. But that said, yeah, I think it is the best team that Dabo's ever had because you look at what their strengths are now. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's three wide receivers that might constitute the best receiving core in the entire country, and you have Travis Etienne and a good running back uh, core behind him. And the question is the defensive front. So you pair that offense with a defensive front that I think after, what, seven, eight years with Brent Venables as their defensive coordinator deserves the benefit of the doubt because every single time you have a situation like this where you have a bunch of defensive players in the front seven move away, they just clone them and they show up in Clemson. And, you know, guys like Xavier Thomas, Niles Pinkney, those are really, really good players who, uh, you know, I think uh, will step in and become stars this year. So I think from an offensive standpoint, no question, the best offense they've had, and it's not even close. And the one mystery, the one hole, is the defensive front. And like I said, Brent Venables, through his time at Clemson, uh, has absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt to get those guys cranked up. So, yeah, I think it is the best team that Clemson's ever had. And if you compare that to last year's team, which I think was head and shoulders above not only every Clemson team ever, uh, but potentially, uh, you know, those Alabama teams as well. It's a pretty scary thought, not just for the ACC, but the entire country. Barrett, let me ask you about Trevor Lawrence, because he's been crowned, you know, the preseason, you know, All-American first team. And, you know, obviously people think he's the, the best quarterback in college football. But if you had to pick 
a hole in his game or somewhere that he needed to improve over the next couple of years before he's able to turn pro, what, what would you say that would be? I think from a passing standpoint, look, I saw the kid in high school. He was as polished as any quarterback I've ever seen. He was like Josh Rosen when he came out. He I mean, ready to go right out of the gate. So I think from a passing perspective, um, you know, there, there's no problem whatsoever. I think he's there. I, you know, he actually can run. I, I don't think people realize that Trevor Lawrence actually can run a little bit. Uh, and I think you might see that this year. I think you might see a little bit more of his legs. And, and so for, for Trevor, um, just polish up that passing game. Do what you got to do. I think he knows – um, you know, the offense better than anybody. And in terms of NFL throws, he already showed that he can make all those NFL throws, right? Um, I, I think he, you might see a little bit more from him on the ground this year. Um, and, and if that happens, and if he's successful, and, and as, he, as, he, uh, as long as he can make sure he doesn't take hard hits, then that's like I said, you might see the most dynamic offense, not just in Clemson history, but one of the most dynamic offenses in college football history. I was just going to say, Barrett, I hope he doesn't run too much because that's really the yeah. only thing that could derail their season is if Trevor goes down. We saw what happened in but Syracuse can, last year. But he can, That's the thing. Yeah, like, oh, he's for pretty sure. darn good at it. Oh, he's outstanding. I mean, he runs kind of like a deer. He's tall, long, and lanky, but yeah. he can absolutely get it done. Um, So I've heard some reports, and I'm, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they're going to be favored by close to 17, at least right now, in every single game <laughs> that they have on their schedule this season, which is insane. I mean, you're talking about the best team in Dabo's uh, tenure. It may be one of the best teams we've ever seen. So is it a foregone conclusion? Do they run the table and go back-to-back -back this season? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I think it's a foregone conclusion. It wouldn't surprise me if that Texas A&M line comes down a little bit. wouldn't surprise me if that Syracuse line comes down a little bit because both of those teams are pretty darn solid. But with that said, yeah, I mean, it would take an, an absolutely extraordinary performance from Kellen Mond uh, for Texas A&M to win uh, at Clemson. And then for Syracuse, that's obviously a tricky game, too. I think Dino Babers is one of the best coaches in the entire country. Uh, but Tommy DeVito, our guy up there uh, making his first couple starts this year, uh, I don't think he's going to slay the beast in week three. So, yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion. They run the table. Uh, and I think the fact that uh, their two toughest games are in September, Texas A&M uh, and Syracuse, actually benefits them uh, a lot more than people realize because they're going to come out of the, the gate cranked up and Texas A&M and Syracuse still sort of have some holes to fill. So I think later in the season, if Clemson were to get those two teams, maybe those games would be a little bit more competitive. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, if they don't run the table, I would be absolutely floored. Uh, and I think you're looking at an undefeated Clemson going to the college football playoff again. Okay, so they win the ACC. Who's second best in the ACC this year? <laughs> Man, that's a, such a loaded question, Raj. I, I ask this on my radio show on Sirius XM all the time, too. And the answer, not to dodge it, is I don't know. I mean, you throw a bunch of those teams in a hat. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Miami, you know, Syracuse. Throw them in a hat. Just pick one out. You could probably make a case. I'm going to go with Miami, at least from a record perspective. No. I think maybe the, 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 the opinions of Miami have sort of dropped because they named Jaron Williams, and he was sort of the third wheel in that three-man quarterback battle. But talking to some folks around Miami the entire offseason – they were kind of convinced that Jaron Williams was going to be the guy. I mean, it's not like the guy's an unknown. He was a four-star kid coming out of Metro Atlanta. He was a really good quarterback, one of the better quarterbacks they've ever recruited at Miami. So um, to, to think that he's going to come in and be a liability and take some time to, to sort of get the offense, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I just think, you know, getting Florida out of the gate with Jaron Williams 
is a little bit tough. And then, you know, throughout the course of the regular season, you might see a slip up here and there. But I think that's a 10-2 team. And if they beat Florida on Saturday, and they might, I think that's going to be a close and a very sloppy game. But if they beat Florida, you could be talking about this Miami team the same way that you talked about the one from two years ago where they were ranked number two in the college football playoff rankings on championship weekend. Now they were a little bit fraudulent in terms of that number two, but they were still there. So if they get by Florida on Saturday, I think you could be Preach. talking about uh, Miami the same exact way as you did two years ago. Preach, brother. Oh, boy. Preach, Miami's brother. back. I can't. We're going to hear that in spades. We're going to hear a lot of that. Uh, we're going to have <laughs> Willie Taggart on here in about uh, seven or eight minutes. Florida State. I think they're going to outperform expectations because the expectations are so low. Uh, Vegas has their win total set, uh, uh, win total set at seven and a half, which is really low to me. Do you think they outperform those low expectations? Or are you expecting another, um, I can't get as bad as last year, but another average year for the Seminoles? Yeah, I can't get as bad as last year. There's no, no doubt that team was one of the more disorganized teams I've ever seen. Yeah, I think they go over that seven and a half. I think they're an eight, maybe a nine win team. Uh, because, I mean, look, uh, I think from a quarterback perspective, whether it's Blackman or Hornybrook, uh, I think, you know, they, they've pushed themselves. I think Blackman's actually a really good prospect. Last year just didn't get enough snaps. And, and from a running back perspective, from a skill set perspective, uh, those guys have it offensively. And I think the problem last year was complete disorganization. I mean, that was the most disorganized team I've ever seen. And co when you compound that with the fact that the offensive line has been a problem at Florida State for about a decade, you, my opinion is that, like you said, it can't get much worse. And at the very least, those guys are going to out-athlete a lot of folks. So I think Boise State's key. If they can get by Boise State in that opener, that's a really tough matchup, a really unique matchup, and really could set the tone for the entire season. Yeah, I think they're an eight-win team. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse, Miami, those are tough uh, matchups. And you have Florida at the end of the season. You have Clemson. I mean, I, look, I think those are probable losses for Florida State. But again, on the same, on the flip side, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they got one of those games either. So, uh, you know, I think it's for, for Florida State, it's a critical year for Willie Taggart. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but as long as they show progress from the record perspective, but I think more importantly, from an organizational and a structure perspective, then, yeah, they'll get it on the right track and, and maybe next year be in the mix for that division title. Barrett's four new coaches in the ACC this year. Manny Diaz, Miami. You got Mac Brown back at UNC. Kenny Satterfield at Louisville. Of those four, um, who do you think set up for the most success with their program moving forward? Well, I think it's Manny Diaz. I mean, from a familiarity standpoint, not just with the Miami program because he was there as a defensive coordinator, but from, you know, South Florida in general, from where he comes from, uh, I think, you know, he, he's, he's the right guy to get the U back. Now, we, we, that swag I don't necessarily think will ever come back. It might not ever get like it was back in the day. Uh, but he can get them competing uh, for division titles. And, and not only that, but winning that division. It's crazy to think that they had never won that division until a couple of years ago. That should never happen. So I think you're looking at Manny Diaz being a guy that, from, from, a, from a championship perspective, is either at or near the top of that division every single year. But I'm so interested to see Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, man. To go from the triple option at, with Paul Johnson to a spread offense, there's no blueprint for that, right? Um, but Jeff Collins, man, he is a salesman. He will get after it on the recruiting trail. He doesn't have to go outside of four or five counties from, from downtown Atlanta to recruit a championship caliber team. So it's going to take a while at Georgia Tech because, like I said, there's no blueprint for this transition. But I think in four or five years, you're talking about Georgia Tech maybe being at that level with Miami in that division. Good stuff, Barrett. Enjoy the game, man. You're going to be there. Enjoy it.
I'm looking forward to it. Not going to go to Disney World this time. It's all football, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, good stuff from Barrett Salee. Did you say Kenny Satterfield? I said Kenny Satterfield. I was, I was going to follow He used to up be a guard at Cincinnati. Don't you hate that happens? That happens all the time with me. With somebody that has a last name, but you have yeah. a buddy or something that just always triggers in your mind. It's my, always that word. My favorite is Russell Wilson and, uh, and <laughs> Russell Westbrook. And, Russell Westbrook. and then you got me doing it, too. You had me messed up in that one. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell on this Tuesday. Breaking down the ACC. Who better to break down Florida State hey. than their head coach? Awesome. My man, Willie Taggart, joining us again. A friend of the show. He's been on quite a few times. Coach, it's great to hear your voice, man. Talk to me about the expectations, how different they are. You come in there year one, massive expectations. Now everybody's, you know, down on Florida State. It's a completely different vibe, trying to get things back on track. What has it been like in this year two offseason for you? Well, first, thanks for having me on. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. All season has been really well for us. I mean, it started back in January, um, having our guys come back with the right mind frame and everything we've been asking our guys to do. They've been on top of it. And um, I've seen improvement, whether it's off the field, whether it's in the classroom, and, and definitely seen improvement on the football field. So um, we've, we've had an outstanding camp so far. And looking forward to um, August 31st to get going. But guys yeah, been going well. And I will say this about the expectations. Those those expectations have never changed. You know, we had a down year, but still um, those expectations are still the same. Which, what have you seen um, out of your quarterback so far this year with James Blackman and, and Alex Hornerbrook? Well, um, I mean, I think they, I think Kim has done a great job of getting our guys to understand what we're trying to do offensively and. and uh, seeing both of those guys this offseason, the work they put in to understand the offense has been um, great. And um, it's been nice to see Alex, the guy who's got here this summer, and, and how quick he's picked up the offense. You know, this throughout training camp, is, it's been good. Those guys have been battling, and uh, they've been moving the offense and doing some really good, good things with the offense. and doing a good job of taking care of the football. So one of the big hires you guys made was bringing in Kendall Bryles to run that offense. Um, typically known to throw it around the yard a little bit. What should we expect from Florida State's offense when you guys take the field against Boise? Well, um, like uh, I expect to see some explosive plays. See us going fast. Um, uh, seeing us trying to get the ball in our, in our playmaker's hands, uh, whether it's in space or in the backfield. Um, we feel like we have some weapons, and but I think more importantly, you see the tempo being different. Um, I think our guys is our guys are a lot. Uh, they're more comfortable with what we're doing now, and they're more comfortable with the uh, up tempo offense now, and um, and that's paying off big time for us. A little bit of a struggle last year protecting the quarterback, um, and and only two two and a half yards per carry, roughly. Um, what do you think? What have you seen out of your O line coming into this year? Have they made the strides that you're looking for them uh, to make over the summer and, and through preseason? Yeah, you know, I think one first and foremost is they're all a bit stronger um, than what they were last year. I a lot of guys played last year that wasn't necessarily ready to go out and, and compete in the ACC like we needed them to, but um, they had to play. So um, that experience alone, I think, has helped some of those guys and. And then I think Coach Clemens has come in and he's done a great job of getting all those guys to be on the same page and and um and, and playing together and, and but more importantly caring for one another. I mean I think that room has become one of the closest units on the football team and to me whenever you do have a great football team, it's 
stuff there. That that room um, has to be really tight and together, and, and you're seeing it out of our guys. But I think Coach Clinton's done a really good job of, of teaching and, and making sure that they're all on the same page, and, and it's paying off for us. So, Coach, if you need somebody for a little lift, I'm 1-0 giving the, the talk to the team before PC <laughs> last week, but you let me dress the team. It was really cool for me to get to talk to players. I love doing that. Um, but it was, it, was, it was a fun time. We got to win that game. But there was a lot of criticism last year. One of the things that I actually criticized was the backpack. You know, the Miami had the turnover change. You guys had the backpack. Are you guys bringing back the backpack, or is that gone? Is there going to be something new that we see as something the defensive players or offensive players, too, get as that carrot to kind of hold out for them? No, nah, he's going to see us play football. You know, you're not going to see a, a, a backpack or anything. You're going to see us play football and have fun uh, playing the game with each other and having fun making plays. Um, I think that's what you're going to see out of our guys. You know, being that was something um, our guys wanted to do and they enjoyed doing it. They didn't necessarily go over well with everyone, but this is 2019 team and guys want to do things different. They want to be different and, and expect to be different. Okay. Hey, coach, let me ask you about the defensive side of the ball real quick. I mean, it, it seemed like corner, um, your, your D line, all of that was set. There were some questions revolving around maybe your linebacking core. How's that played itself out during camp? And, and what are you seeing out of, out of the guys that are competing in, for those spots? Well, I think, uh, I think we have, uh, a lot of depth in our secondary and our linebacker, um, crew right now and some really Good competitive depth. I'm really excited about both of those groups and and what we can be like on on that side of the ball in the secondary and, and at linebackers. I know from for linebacker wise, uh, we our depth is so much better than what it was this time last year. And, and uh, um, guys are competing. I mean, they're still competing and, and trying to figure out who who's going to be the starter. I think you're going to see a lot of guys play. I think we have to play a lot of guys um, after going through last year and. Going through the ACC, having a better understanding of where we're at and what we need to be doing, we, we definitely got to play more guys than what we did before. And I think you see it because guys are um, they're talented and, and they're um, they're more developed than what they were last year. And I think they'll be ready to go. Coach, appreciate the time as always, friend of the show. Good luck against Boise. We'll be rooting for you all year long, man. Appreciate it. All right, awesome stuff there from Willie Taggart, head coach. Why'd you lie to coach, bro? Why what? We ain't going to be rooting for him all year. (laughs) Yeah, we will. You will. I'll be rooting for him every game except when he plays Miami. Well, that's what you could have said. That ain't all year, but I mean, (laughs) that's one game. You spoke for me. All right. I was just making sure you had that one yet. Uh, Coach Taggart, friend of the show. He's been on a couple times. You could tell, man, his grind to camp. Like, he sounded a little tired. Yep. Like, and I'm sure they do interviews all the time. So I appreciate them giving the time for us to have him on there uh, during camp, you know, on a busy day. I'm trying to show they're trying to get a lot of work done for the show, uh, you know, for the game that they're coming up with. Um, James Blackman, Alex Hornibrook, you talked about. We saw a lot of quarterbacks um, named starters yeah. uh, over the last 24 hours. You said Jalen Hurts, um, Justin Fields yeah. at Ohio State. Uh, I, I'd i be shocked if it's anybody but James Blackman at Florida State that's really? going to be under center for the Knowles when it's time to, to take the field. I just think he's the guy – I. I think he's the quarterback that they need to see the field. He's a leader in the locker room. I think he could make all the throws. Yeah, could he bulk up a little bit? Yes, he can add some bulk to his frame. Hopefully that comes with time. But I think he's got the arm talent, the leadership skills to take this team where it needs to go this season. Uh, something to keep an eye out uh, from Tallahassee. But, of course, the big question is the offensive line, which 
who knows how that's going to be. That's a total crapshoot. Uh, so good stuff there from Willie Taggart. Thanks to him for coming on from Florida State. All right, let's shift gears yeah. to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, the NBA had their annual rookie survey, yeah, which they put out there. I was a little bit surprised on this one and some of the answers. Rookie of the year, no surprise to me that it was Zion Williamson acquiring 35% of the vote. John Morant of Memphis, 27%. Then it's pretty significant drop-off to R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. Right. The thing I was surprised about was who would have the best career. Yeah. Not R.J. Barrett, who you have put out there. Not Zion Williamson, who everybody thinks is going to be a stud. But one Cam Reddish taking home the majority of the vote, 19%. Were you surprised that Cam Reddish came in uh, with that? Yeah, that's a little surprising for me. Um, I would have thought if, if you didn't go Zion or... No, RJ. I like the DeAndre name, or I would have said Ja Morant. I didn't see Cam sneaking up, but um, I, I was with a group of guys this summer that, that follow high school basketball way closer than I do. And they said that most of these guys, when they do their interviews revolving around the the um, the McDonald's All-American game or when they're going in pre-freshman year to college, most of them are asked on some kind of viral site, you know, in, in passing conversation, who's the toughest dude you've had to guard or who gave you the most fits you know, in high school. And most of those guys reference Cam Reddish. Really? Like, he really was. Like, he's, I don't know, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, supposed to be this, you know, silky shooter. He's athletic. So most of his peers, even coming out of high school, going into college, would reference him when, when you asked them who gave him the most problems or who was the most dynamic scorer you saw in high school. So I didn't know that at the time. But if I knew that, I wouldn't have been surprised because these guys hold Cam Reddish in high regard. That's why it was such a steal for... For Atlanta, he was he was devalued a bit playing with John. I mean, playing with um R.J. Barrett and the show that was Zion Williamson at at Duke. He was kind of the odd man out. He was forgotten about. If he had went to a school and kind of on his own as a freshman, you know, he he might have messed around and been the number two, number three pick in the draft. Zero surprise. Most most athletic rookie as voted. Uh, Zion Williamson, eighty seven percent. Not yeah. a surprise there. One of the things I thought was really interesting was the back end of the poll. It said the skill. You need to develop most for all these rookies. Mm-hmm. Number one skill set they all need to develop: shooting. Thirty-two percent of the vote. Ball handling at sixteen percent. Passing nine percent. Strength seven percent. I always thought shooting was one of the things that yes, you should be, but that should already be a strength. No, there is a there's a it's a real interesting disconnect, right? Because the NBA is a premium on shooting the ball right now, like right. premium. That's what they want you to do. Um, the youth levels. When you see all of these trainers and all these kids working out in their videos, all they do is ball handle and work on moves, dribble combos between the legs, uh, double-double between the legs, switch, hip, dribble, like pound, step back, double-step back. Like, that's all they do is dribble and pound the heck out of the ball. I'm guilty of it myself with my kids. Like, they got to be able to dribble. Now, mine are going to be, like, hopefully 6'1", 6'2", so they got to be PGs. But I've had to scale back my thought process, too, and be like, listen, we got to get you guys to become really proficient shooters because at the end of the day, you dribble as much as you want. If you can't put the ball in the hole, you're just a dribbling machine, right? So I've kind of flipped my focus. But it's not surprising that a lot of these guys, once they get to high school and, and they're now, you know, a year in college and going to the NBA draft, they're been they're being trained to be dribbling machines and not really to work on the art of shooting. If you go and look up, you know, like basketball in your area trainers, you'll find fifteen guys in your local area. Yep. Go look on their Instagram pages and see what all of them are working on. All of them are working on handles. Now, you shoot at the end of whatever little combo you're making, but there's no real... Repetition, it sounds like. Not even repetition, but there's no skill work done with the shot. 
The skill work is all done on your handles. The shot is just something you do after you get done with your handles. Right. So, like, you know, I was saying to my dad and people who are close to me on this youth scene, like, we really need to put a focus and provide some outlet for these kids to learn how to properly shoot the ball because it's a lost art form uh, at the youth level. What would be harder to pick up, like harder to get better at? Is it like if you had a player who was, they were both shooting. average. That's what I would think too, which would be more concerning. It's probably more, makes it more of a crapshoot. Takes more time. For an NBA team. Yeah. It's more time. You develop bad habits. It takes more like time, like time to break down that bad habit and refine a new skill. Ball handling. Like I was telling my son this morning in the car line, if you want to be a ball handler, get a ball when you get home from school, take it like outside for 10, 12 minutes. Handle the heck out of it for 12 minutes. You do that every day, you're going to be a good ball handler. Right. Shooting takes way more time than that. Yeah. yeah. That's surprising to me in a make-miss league when there's such a priority, especially on the three-point shot. I mean, who cares what you look like when you get there? What do you do when you actually put the yeah. ball up? Does it go in or not? Right. And if that's a problem, that could be a big problem. It's between guys like Ben Simmons and others around yeah. the league, young players struggling uh, to hit those jumpers and score. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Canel and Bell and our first ever college football debate. I'll be your moderator, Joseph Levin. Representing Florida State today, we have former Florida State quarterback Daniel Cannell, and representing the University of Miami will be Raja Bell, played in South Florida, went to high school in Miami, family affiliation to the university. We will debate which program is better. We will start with you, Danny. We'll talk quarterbacks as a former quarterback. Please, in 30 seconds or less, explain to us why you believe that the presumptive starter, James Blackman and Alex Hornibrook, will be a better duo than Miami's quarterbacks this season in Tate Martell, Jaron Williams, and Nikosi Perry. Thank you, Joey, for letting me have this platform to share my views on the quarterback situations at the various programs that we're discussing here. Uh, it is my pleasure to speak to the American people and get this out there so I can make sure that you get the right quarterback position when you're picking your team. It starts and ends with Florida State. James Blackman, a wealth of experiments, a, a wealth of experience at the position, has played a ton. Physically, he's added the weight that he needs to, and they have one of the best, most capable most experienced backups coming in if they need to call on Alex Hornibrook. So you have depth of the position, you have leadership, and you have certainty. Miami has none of that. Now, Raja, on the same topic, you were recently asked about both teams' quarterback situations. And when asked about Florida State, uh, you we were surprised to see this quote from you. You were asked about Florida State's quarterbacks, and you said, quote, James Blackman and Alex Hornibrook more like James Hackman and Alex Cornybrook. Do you care to elaborate? Yeah, well, uh, allow me to thank the American public for for the platform. Um, yeah, I, I just think when you look at James Blackman, all 125 pounds of him, and Alex Cornybrook, who couldn't hack it at Wisconsin, uh, you have real concerns if you're Florida State, especially due to the fact that last year you were 109th in FBS schools in terms of quarterback sacks. You're rolling out a fragile, relatively unexperienced quarterback and a non-athletic quarterback that does not know your system yet. You pair that with the fact that you had 2.39 yards per carry last year. The lack of run game puts too much pressure 
on your quarterbacks. You have no offensive line support. Miami is the clear choice, despite the fact that they're starting four-star recruit Jaron Williams. They have Tate Martell, number one quarterback in the class of 2017 as a backup, and Nikosi Perry, who was your starter at the University of Miami last year, just in case the first two don't work out. Moderator, I have to jump in here and just respond really quickly. And you please respect the debate. Quick follow-up. Tate Martell, Martell, who was one of the quarterbacks you referenced, is so fast that they actually switched him to wide receiver. So let's just get that out of the way. All right, well, well, we'll move on to the coaches. Raja, we'll start with you on this one. This is a two-part question. Now, the Hurricanes obviously have a new head coach in Manny Diaz, who served as a defensive coach there before. First part of the question is, why do you think Manny Diaz will lead the Hurricanes to a more successful this season than Willie Taggart at Florida State, who, I will admit, had a dumpster fire season last year? And part two of the question, do you give any validity to the theory that I came up with this morning, that Manny Diaz is actually a plant from Florida State to take down the U in support of his alma mater, Florida State University. Yes, this is correct. Manny Diaz did attend the Florida State, uh, the University of Florida State, whatever you call that. Um, his dad was the mayor of Miami. Let's not get that twisted, okay? My, Miami is running through his veins. He bleeds green and orange. Manny Diaz will be more successful than Willie Taggart uh, for multiple reasons. Manny Diaz showed up on a yacht. He showed up on a yacht repping the U. He went to other people's, other people's, uh, what did, what do you call the, um, fantasy camps repping the U. Manny Diaz embodies the University of Miami. He is bidding his time, if that's even a word. He's worked at Florida State. He's paid his dues at each stop along the way with the sole goal of one day coaching the University of Miami Hurricanes. And when the iron was hot, he struck. He's got the program in hand. He had the best defense in the country two years ago. They were pretty damn good last year. And he took the Alabama offensive coordinator who turned Jalen Hurts, yes, that's right, Jalen Hurts, into a relatively prolific passer for two games. And Tua Tagovailoa had the best statistics of almost any quarterback in the history of NCAA football under this offensive coordinator. And he will do it at the University of Miami paired with Manny Diaz and the best defense in the country. Manny Diaz doesn't have either Tua Tagovailoa or Jalen Hurts on his roster. Jaron Williams is not either one of those guys. You yet. don't know that. We don't know yet, but we do. And stop asking for, for my advice as the opponent. You're not supposed to ask me for advice in this modern, in this debate that we're trying to have here about Florida State versus Miami. When you look at the head coaches, Miami keeps looking in all the wrong places for their head coach. You know where they keep going? To Florida State, to our pipeline. Correct. The wrong they place. They go to Mark Richt. They go to Manny Diaz, graduate of Florida State University. It will only work if those coaches are coaching in Tallahassee, not in Coral Gables. Willie Taggart is going to bring back Florida State to prominence just like he did Western Kentucky. Rough couple years, brings them back. South Florida, rough couple years, brings them back to prominence. Florida State will be on the national stage sooner rather than later with Willie Taggart at the helm. Shout out to Willie Taggart. I shouldn't do this. First black coach ever at Western Kentucky. First black coach ever at Oregon. First black coach ever at South Florida. South Florida. Yep. Shout out. And, and I, I shouldn't do that, but shout yeah, out. Yeah, at Florida State too now. All right, let's let's look big picture. Let's go off the field. Let's talk fan bases. Now, Danny, we'll start with you on this one. There's been talk in the past about Miami's fan base. Are they students? Are they just people who live in Miami? Who are they? But there's also people who say it's very easy to get into Florida State. Joey Levin did it. So, of course, they have more students who are fans. Danny, which fan base do you say is better? Ah, really, Joey, this is really easy uh, to have. We can end this uh, with a simple comment. I give you exhibit A, sitting to my left, 
one Raja Bell. How dare you, sir? Not even attend the university. How dare you address me with the back of your hand? Much much like most University of Miami fans did not even attend the university. Florida State, at least we bleed garden gold because we cut our teeth there, because we went there, because it's in our blood, thick and thin. Miami, fair weather fans. Where have they been the last decade? Oh, have you checked the Miami Hurricanes home game? It's half empty. Not even half empty. It's a quarter empty because they don't even play in their backyard. They play at a pro stadium that's empty half the time. Florida State faithful will come out and support them no matter what the record says. Oh, uh, allow me to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. All right. So what you've said is that if you go to Florida State, you're a Florida State fan. Correct. Meaning your team can only draw its fan base from people that actually went to school there. Miami is grander than that. We are a global brand. We have students. Now, albeit we are a private institution, so we have less of a of a student body and we have less alumni than you do because you're a public institution, but we draw fans from outside outside of our community. That's how much we draw. That's how the magnitude of University of Miami, the magnetism that is the program of University of Miami. So we have fans that are global. Miami fans can't even be compared to Florida State fans. We live in one of Thank the goodness. biggest cities on the planet. It is the city. What, what do you call it? The magic city. There is so much to do here in Miami. We show up yeah, we when call we it. have the product to support. Otherwise, we have other stuff to do. We're at the beach. All right, we got nightclubs. What are you guys doing? You're well, in cow pastures? To do. We you got, got cow pastures? We got the magic city. We got Talanasty. That's what we got. <laughs> Miami fans undoubtedly even get a bad name. But listen, our program was so good. All right, our program was, was. so prolific was. that we had to move out of the cozy confines of the Orange Bowl. It was too small; it couldn't contain us anymore. We had to play in a pro stadium. We play in a grandiose pro stadium, just renovated, millions and millions of dollars put in to support the Miami Hurricanes and the national championship that will be forthcoming. All right, Mr. Bell, you've gone over your time. We have just about forty-five seconds Where's the left. Moderator the from? Where's the moderator so from? We will. Doesn't matter. We will. Uh, we will end on this one. And since I believe that last one was a softball for Danny, I'll make it as simple for both of you. Turnover chain or turnover backpack? My man, can I just touch on the turnover chain real quick? 36 inches, 2.5 kilos of 10 karat gold, over 900 green and orange sapphires. We don't come here to half-ass it. We come here to turnover chain your behind. You guys came out there with a backpack. Turnover chain, it's time to be done. Be done with it. I don't even want to see the backpack up there. You know the only jewelry I want to see? The only accessory I want to see? A national championship ring. We Something got seven. You guys, you guys got seen. five. Yeah, in the last 20 seven years. Seven and you got you five. Haven't even seen them. Seven and you got five. Way I'm prepared for that. This century. All I heard was a bunch of was and has prepared been. for that. News over here. Seven Thank natties you. to five. Back tomorrow. Best quarterback play basketball is living. <laughs> <laughs>